1 a.m. local time on July 7th, Haiti's president, Jovenel Moïse, was shot 12 times and died in his own home. Such a blatant and successful assassination attempt shocked the Caribbean nation and the world. This all occurring in the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere. Who is behind this assassination? And what implications could it have for Haiti and the region? From the School of Diplomacy at Seton Hall University, this is The Global Current. I'm your host, Eric Butts. With me today are two fellow Seton Hall students. Covering the situation in Haiti is Drew Starbuck. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Eric. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. And focusing on international reactions and events is Jacqueline Ballard. Hey, Jackie. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Okay, so for this story, I want to go straight to the issue at hand and start with this incredible story, which almost seems like it was ripped from a spy novel. Jackie, what happened with this attack? How did it start and how did it play out? Mm -hmm. So as you mentioned, this attack happened at 1 a.m. local time on July 7th, 2021. And it began with several armed men, dressed in black, arriving in vehicles to the house of Jovenel Moïse, president of Haiti. Mm-hmm. And a man who was thought to be a security guard appears to have been forced to lie down in the street, while another man, who could be heard shouting in English over a loudspeaker, this is the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration operation, everyone stay down. So that's how they got the guards around the house to stand down by pretending that it was this operation. From there, 70 of the assailants were involved in breaking and entering into the president's house, while the rest stayed behind to guard. Um, Two domestic workers were tied up, the president's daughter hid in her brother's room, and the only people injured by the bullets were the president and his wife. However, President Moïse was shot 12 times, um, in addition to other injuries. Mm -hmm. His eye was was gouged out, and he had several other bodily injury. Well, that's, that is an absolutely incredible story uh, to happen to the leader, the elected leader, as far as I know, of, of a country. They claim they were from the DEA. Let's be clear, they, they weren't from the DEA? They were not from the DEA. So it was later found out that there were 28 different assailants. Um, Drew? Yeah. Specifically, 26 of these assailants, 28, were Colombian and two of them were actually Haitian-American citizens, and they were hired from a law firm within Florida, and all had military background and training, and had a smart plan from the get-go of pretending to be U.S. federal officials and federal agents to carry out and force their way into the residence. They are able to completely take over the house, subdue the guards without much bloodshed, and take out the primary target, the president, without harming other individuals in the house. And so... The search ongoing for those individuals led the Haitian government to ask the United States military for assistance in keeping the peace because Mm -hmm. two Haitian Americans had been involved, which, of course, the United States military then denied that assistance. And the aftermath of the assassination has rocked a very foreign nation to the core that is already struggling from other economic events. Yeah, and undoubtedly, and we'll get we'll get more into that later. Let me let me stay with the night of the assassination for now. So they break into his home, they kill him. Um, his wife is wounded. Uh, she survives, correct? Yes, she was airlifted to the local hospital and has been survived. 
Okay. What happens next? Do they do they all escape? Are they caught? Uh, what what's what's the immediate aftermath that night of this assassination? Well, eventually they are caught. Recent developments have led us to believe that there may have been other officials within the Haitian government that hired these men. The man who is in mm. charge of the law firm in Florida through these individuals the assailants worked for claims no knowledge of the attack itself. However, there is connections that the Haitian Prime Minister, Ariel Henry, has been connected to the assassination through contacts within the government, and he has fired the former chief prosecutor, Bedford Claude. Mm-hmm. And so this has caused a political uproar in some spaces within Haiti, as well as violence within an already unstable nation itself. Okay. And these Colombian assailants, were they aware of what their, their job was? Were they hired with this specific purpose and plan, and they, they signed on to that? Were the Haitians that were local, were they also signed on to this plan? So when the Colombians were hired, they were originally told that they would be protecting the president, so they had no knowledge of this assassination plan. And when the Haitian nationals were hired, they alleged that they didn't know there was a plan either. They believed that they were there to act as interpreters when he was arrested. Mm -hmm. So they did know that there was a plot going on, but there was no knowledge of an assassination until after. Okay. And you mentioned before that there were some Haitian Americans involved in this plot. Who is this guy, and where does he come from? Uh, there was two of them involved. That is why the Haitian has called on the United States government to send assistance, because they in part view the United States as somewhat responsible for this or are seeking their help in that matter. Looking at those two themselves, there has been requests for interviews with those individuals, like Jackie said. They have allegedly been told that they were supposed to act purely as interpreters, However, that is maybe doubtful in its outcome. Okay. It's an incredible night, but let, let's zoom out a bit and talk about who stands to benefit from these attacks. Presumably, they didn't happen for no reason. They weren't carried out without a, a purpose or a plan in mind. Do we, do we have any idea what that plan was? Do you have any idea why these attacks were carried out in the first place? Going back to the connections with the Haitian government, Mm-hmm. It's also essential to note recent news where the former, the office of the Haitian Prime Minister, Ariel Henry, is the one who's allegedly connected to the attacks. Mm -hmm. uh, and he has invited, uh, who he dismissed, of course, the chief prosecutor, Bedford Claude, to meet with him to talk about two calls that he had with Joseph Badio, that the Prime Minister had. Badio worked for the former Haiti's Ministry of Justice. And he was within the government's anti-corruption unit until he was fired this past May for ethical, violating ethical regulations. And people and the police say they're looking for him on charges including murder. Mm. And Claude has said, the former chief prosecutor said, that evidence shows that Badio was in the vicinity of the former president's house, Moise's house, just hours before yeah. he was fired. So, so, mm -hmm. so what what motive are we talking? I understand we we might be entering entering the realm of speculation, but are we talking uh, revenge for for being fired? Are we talking attempt to seize power? Because I mean, as far as I know, they haven't seized power. There hasn't been a, a whole coup here. Um, mm -hmm. Was it an attempted coup? Was it a revenge killing? Do you have any idea on that kind of? Can we speculate at all on that? 
it could be it's hard to speculate without hard evidence of any kind uh-huh. it could be a combination of both those factors uh opportunistic in the case of the haitian prime minister but also uh revenge for being fired on the case of Josip Barrio mm-hmm. but how however the for- prime minister has also uh been mired in scandal due to this due to his connections so if he was somehow involved in this seeking to gain power uh-huh. this has backfired on him to a certain extent mm-hmm. and what's interesting to me is that this is very much a multi-level assassination um at the beginning of the investigation christian emmanuel sanon was arrested and he was thought to be the mastermind behind his plan he is a 63 year old doctor who currently resides in florida and he was planning on running for president of haiti in the upcoming election and originally it was thought that he was the one who planned this assassination because he's the one whose firm hired the Colombians. However, as more evidence is coming out, as Drew mentioned, we're seeing that this is a multi-level plot that doesn't just have one player and might very well might not just have one motive. Okay, so as in many things with geopolitics, it's, it's not quite so simple. Let's turn now to the larger aftermath of the assassination. Ultimately, if it was a coup attempt, it wasn't a successful coup attempt. The party has retained power in government. Uh, Moise's party has retained power. Originally, after Moise was assassinated, Claude Joseph, the former prime minister, led the country until Henry was installed. Okay. And now he is among those calling for the prime minister to step down from office currently. Okay. So, uh, prime minister Henry is installed, but now he has angered his former backers. Hmm. Okay. And how has this affected, I'm going to say, stability in in Haiti? What kind of response have we seen outside of the government? What kind of response have we seen from the people on the streets of Haiti? Well, I think it's also important to remember that as we're speaking about this assassination and the aftermath of it and the attack itself, it's also to remember uh, the things that led to this moment. Because the former president mm-hmm. himself, Chauvenel Moise, was not the most popular figure within Haiti himself. He mm. was accused by his opponents of essentially ruling a dictatorship beyond his rights or his legal constitutional rights. Uh, he dissolved parliament, uh, a majority of parliament, in January 2020 because there had been no delay in legislative elections due to the pandemic and the political gridlock. And thus he just dissolved it, extended his term rate by presidential decree. Okay. And numerous rights groups have condemned his use of these decrees, including ones that have effectively removed judges from the Supreme Courts, and he has appointed replacements to the court without following constitutional guidelines. So he is both ruling beyond his term limit in the eyes of certain individuals within the nation, and also packing the courts with his own hand-picked judges. And Mm. under President Moise, ransom kidnapping grew, such as abduction last April targeting 10 people, including seven Catholic clergies. Oh, wow. Okay. So, what you're, you're painting the picture that Moise was not the most popular president. Certainly his death hasn't gone unnoticed, though. Mm-hmm. Certainly there's been an impact. What kind of impact have we seen? Well, I think it's important to note that in the immediate aftermath of his death, one of the more prominent gang members in Haiti vowed to take to the streets to ensure the calm and oppose those who had a 
who had carried out the attack on the uh, president. So there's that. His funeral was marked by nearby gunfire and protests, prompting a high-level U.S. delegation to leave abruptly, mm-hmm. and other foreign dignitaries had to leave the area. And there was supposed to be his state funeral in the northern city of Cap Haitian, but supposed to foster a sense of national unity, uh-huh. uh, but instead show the deep divisions within the country itself. Gotcha. Okay. Let's let's zoom out a little further now and go to the to the international response to this assassination. Um, Jackie, let's start with the United States. How did they react to this assassination? Yes. So the immediate response from the U.S. Department of State and from President Biden was, of course, condemnation for this attack and condolences for Haiti, because we are allies with Haiti. However, as the situation progressed, we see that things get a little bit more sticky. Immediately, the United States sent the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security to Haiti to follow the nation's request for help in the investigation. However, Haiti also requested that U.S. troops be sent to Haiti um, in order to help with peacekeeping forces there, and the United States denied this request. Mm -hmm. So we can see from there there's a bit of political tension, especially considering everything that Drew was saying about the upcoming civil unrest. And since then, the U.S. has not made much more of an effort in terms of involvement in Haiti and their new governmental system. So it's caused quite a bit of political tension, especially because two days ago, the United States just announced that they will be deporting almost double the number of United States Haitians back across the border to Haiti as they were before. So this is just adding another layer on top of the puzzle as we see U.S. and Haitian relations beginning to get more complex. Just to build off Jackie's point there, uh, I mentioned that there's prominent figures within uh, Haiti itself opposing and calling for the resignation of Prime Minister Henry. However, most nations, Germany, Brazil, Canada, Spain, the U.S., majorly France and the European Union, and representatives from the United Nations and Organization of American States, issued a statement saying that they support efforts by Prime Minister Henry and other political leaders mm-hmm. to form an inclusive government. Okay. So any effort by outside forces, including the United States, to depose Prime Minister Henry is a no-go. For sure. And I think there's been experiments with U.S. involvement in Haiti in the past that have not gone forgotten in the nation. Jackie, you mentioned we're allies mm-hmm. with Haiti. Does that mean... More specifically, were we close with the president who was killed, Moisey? Yes, the U.S. did have a good standing relationship with President Moisey. In fact, over the past few years, especially since the devastating 2010 earthquake in Haiti, we've Mm -hmm. had a very close relationship with them. As you mentioned at the beginning of this episode, they are the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere. And as the richest nation in the Western Hemisphere, the United States has played a huge role in helping them with poverty assistance to get back on their feet. Specifically, we've been trying to help them establish a democratic government. We provide them with humanitarian assistance. We help with poverty relief through the creation of jobs, increasing access to health care, building power plants, increasing crop crop yields, and just several other examples of U.S. involvement, which overall has built a good reputation of the United States within Haiti. According to the U.S. Global Leadership Project, 79% of Haitians approved of U.S. leadership. So we can see that there definitely has been a good relationship in the past, and President Biden has been trying to improve this. 
to the most recent earthquake that they just had on mm-hmm. August 14th. That took an even bigger hit to Haiti's political situation as well mm-hmm. as the poverty they already experienced there. And the U.S. pledged $45 billion in aid to help them out with that. So we could see that our relations are still good and there are many efforts to improve them despite the current situation. Yeah. yeah. And it's well to note that U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken called on Haitians Prime Minister Henry to seek broad political consensus, which is why they're giving him free reign as he established the government's priorities and to establish conditions for free and fair elections. And they also announced a special envoy to help coordinate U.S. assistance in yeah. Haiti as well, especially with the ongoing uh, rebuilding due after the natural disasters and the political instability. Yeah. And did the U.S., I mean, you mentioned, Jackie, the U.S. refused to send troops. Did the U.S. give a reason for that? I mean, I could think of the timing, considering what's happening in Afghanistan, that they're not exactly keen to be sending in troops to a foreign country. Or does it have something more specific to do with the situation in Haiti? I didn't hear there was any concrete explanation for why we decided not to send troops to Haiti. Mm -hmm. But considering, like you mentioned, the situation with Afghanistan, with our own political situation, with Mm -hmm. our own military reserves, it seems that the United States just thought that we should be a bit more conservative with our military forces instead of sending them to Haiti when we've already been sending Haiti so much aid. Okay. And you also mentioned the earthquake. So this past summer, Haiti had a political assassination and an earthquake, which isn't a great summer by any standards. <laughs> but, I mean, Haiti's had a pretty rough go of it. Is there any sign that there, there could be more stability coming in the future for Haiti? I think to answer that question properly, first of all, the the greatest problem with Haiti is, you know, the widespread poverty. It's the poorest nation within the Western Hemisphere. And, and, and persistently, too. Persistently, too. And that is part of the reason President Moise rose to power. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was relatively unknown before he came onto the political stage in October 2015. And he won the first round of the elections. However, of course, uh, the election was marred by widespread voter fraud. But he was a former businessman and entrepreneur who was popular in the northern part of the country amongst the lower class voters for saying he would embark on policies to combat the widespread poverty. Okay. Uh, water treatment, ensuring clean water for citizens, uh, the energy sector, and agricultural production, which are vital to the to the nation itself. Mm-hmm. And he was named the Banana Man. His nickname was the Banana Man <laughs> because okay. of that. So at least... For the moment, if those plans he embarked on were true, the president, the former president, had good intentions to combat major problems that Haiti faces. Mm-hmm. However, to combat those from the start, you need to have a stable government that is not marred by divisions, which Haiti yeah. is not capable of at the moment. And yeah. also, there is you have to have the least amount of corruption possible in the government as well which is something that Haiti has also struggled with, with widespread gang violence and the ties that those gangs have with high government officials. Okay. So what I'm trying to say is that you can never say that there's no way of hoping that things can get better because things can always get better. It's just it's going to be a long, rigorous process to bring back Haiti to a point of economic stability Mm -hmm. and also to tackle the wide-ranging issues 
that are within the country itself. Especially after a summer like this when there's been widespread political instability, the earthquakes, natural disasters, and Haiti's deep political divisions, which prevented sure. kind of gridlocked their government itself. Okay. I'm sure the, the political instability is not over yet because supposedly, if one president dies, we're going to need to have an election at some point. Mm -hmm. Do we have any indication about what's going on with that election? Well, that's what the United States says. They're the, the yeah. reason they're supporting Prime Minister Henry is that yeah. he is to form an inclusive government and to prepare the way for a stable, free, and safe elections okay. that are not voted by. So the intent behind the U.S. support is to ensure that there will be soon be democratic elections that are freely run and fairly run in the future to ensure political stability and also that Haiti has a plan going forward, a stable government on which to tackle these issues. Okay. What about some other reactions from around the world? I mean, these, obviously, the majority of the people involved in the attack were Colombian. Mm -hmm. How did the Colombian government react to that? Yeah, so in my opinion, Colombia did the bare minimum. Their president released a statement condemning the actions of the 26 Colombians who were involved. They were all ex-soldiers. And then also, they dispatched the head of the National Intelligence Directorate and the Intelligence Director of the National Police of Colombia to assist Haiti. Mm -hmm. But besides that, there hasn't been much follow-through, especially considering that the majority of the attackers were Colombian. It yeah. seems like they just gave Haiti a pat on the back and an I'm sorry and kind of left them to deal with their problems. Yeah. I mean, it's worth pointing out, they weren't, you know, from the Colombian military. Exactly. It, this wasn't an mercenaries. attack by Colombia in any way, shape, or form. But still, the majority of the attackers were Colombia. That's mm -hmm. correct. And what about yes. some other, like other Latin American countries? I mean, obviously they, they share the island Hispaniola with the Dominican Republic, and the United Nations have they had said anything about this? Or? Yeah. So the it, the reaction from the Dominican Republic was actually quite interesting. They decided to close their border to Haiti because the Colombians who attacked President Moïse they came in through the Dominican Republic border instead of by sea. So mm. we can see that this has maybe scared the Dominican Republic a little bit, made them a bit wary. And although they did choose to express their condolences, you could see that they're kind of playing the safe game with this and waiting mm -hmm. it out to see how the situation progresses. And like you mentioned with the United Nations, their response was to be expected. The UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres condemned the attack and called for those responsible to be brought to justice. Mm -hmm. And we can see similar reactions from all nations around the globe, specifically the leaders of state from Bolivia, Argentina, France, Canada, Mexico, and the United Kingdom released statements condemning this act. And something that I thought was interesting was it gained the attention of the Catholic Church. Pope Francis, mm -hmm. representing the Church and the Holy See, released a statement condemning this attack, asked for prayers, unity, and justice. Okay. Final question. How does this assassination, how could it affect U.S. diplomacy in the region? Mm -hmm. Well, I expect that we'll see greater U.S. involvement in the region just because of the United States' relationship with Haiti. We're mm -hmm. already close with them. We've already been involved with them in humanitarian efforts and in diplomatic efforts. So if they want to ensure that Haiti remains stable, remains mm -hmm. safe, and calm down the civil unrest, and just to deal with the aftermath of the earthquake, I'm sure. expecting that we'll be giving them a lot more aid in the future. 
And like I mentioned earlier, we've already been seeing a lot of this aid. We've already been seeing a lot more U.S. involvement. Mm -hmm. It is a bit interesting that we chose to increase the number of deportees as more deportees begin being sent across the border to see how this will affect Haitian-United States relations. relations, But honestly, that's something that we're going to have to watch play out. Okay. What do you think, Phil? I also think that it's important to remember that this, of course, this assassination does not help the political instability within Haiti itself, but it's mostly going to affect the common people, not just affected by the mm-hmm. political instability, but the gang violence and the widespread poverty. There are thousands of women and children displaced within the capital, Port-au-Prince, and these families lack access to clean water and other necessities, okay. and that condition is only going to worsen for them. So, for the short term, there will be greater calls for humanitarian aid and instability, and you just hope that in the long term that the humanitarian aid will get to the right individuals to help mm-hmm. Haiti bring back to maybe not a place of stability, but at least ability to survive. Okay. All right. Well, that is all we have time for today. This has been a fantastic discussion. Drew and Jackie, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Eric. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Glad to be here again. Joining me now to discuss some other headlines this week is our news briefer, Annie Hebel. Hey, Annie. Hey, Eric. So, uh, what are you keeping an eye on this week? Yeah, so there have been a lot of really interesting stories in the news this week. The UN General Assembly kicked off in New York this week. Manny Pacquiao, a boxing legend, has announced that he's running for president in the Philippines. And a volcano has erupted in the small island of La Palma in the Canary Islands. Okay, so... Let's start with the UN General Assembly. What's been going on there? Yeah, absolutely. So it kicked off this week. It's the 76th UN General Assembly, kicked off in New York City. Um, This is the first major conference of world leaders and diplomats since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. The pandemic is likely to be one of the most pressing issues discussed at the summit, with multiple world leaders challenging the summit's vaccine requirement. U.S. health officials worry, on the other hand, that the summit will quickly turn into a super-spreader event in the wake of the prevalence of the Delta variant. Some other major issues to be discussed at the summit include racial inequality, climate change, and the future of democracy in the wake of the Taliban's takeover of Afghanistan. And actually, some breaking news recently is that the Taliban announced that they are interested in attending the summit. So um, Mm. at the time of the recording this, not sure what's going to happen with that, but that's definitely something we're watching out for. Okay. And uh, UN General Assembly is always an interesting time. Mm -hmm. Um, So what's happening again in the Philippines? Yeah, absolutely. So boxing icon turned Senator Manny Pacquiao has announced that he will run for president of the Philippines in 2022. He has been an icon in the country for a very long time and a worldwide boxing superstar. He's been a staunch critic of the country's current president, Rodrigo Duterte, accusing his administration of increasing corruption in the South Asian country. Duterte is forbidden by the Philippine Constitution from seeking a second presidential term, but Mm. he has announced that he plans to run for vice president. Okay, interesting. And last but not least, uh, the volcano. Yeah, absolutely. So a volcano has erupted on the small island of La Palma in Spain's Canary Islands, following several days of seismic activity. 5,000 residents from the sparsely populated region were evacuated off the island, and 190 homes have been destroyed so far. Video footage shows the mountain erupting streams of lava hundreds of feet in the air, and rivers of molten gas and rock are pouring down the sides. The small island has been inundated with toxic gas and volcanic ash since the eruption. Um, This is the volcano's first eruption since 1971. Okay, Annie, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely.
And that is all we have time for today. Be sure to follow The Global Current on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for updates on upcoming shows. This show would not have been possible without our dedicated crew. Executive producer Jared Dang, associate producers Jasmine DeLeon and Joaquin Matsumas, and technical producers Chimdi Chubukere. And of course, your host, Eric Bunce. The Global Current is brought to you by the School of Diplomacy and International Relations at Seton Hall University. As always, keep it current with us and catch us on the waves every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. on 89.5 FM WSOU. Until next time, thank you.